know, the bees, the, the pollinators, you know, you can literally go through all of creation and see how what they do in their everyday action uh, contributes to, to life. And um, we, we call that roles and responsibilities. And we understand through our teachings that all of us, every single one of us on this planet, are connected to all of creation. Hi, this is Jessica Ramirez. Welcome to Seedcast. Today we're hearing wisdom from Matt Remley. We are standing here our calling. We are rooted to the ground. We're here to stay. No staying quiet. We stand united. We are rooted to the ground. Can't tear us down. We're here to stay. Oh. Matt Remley is a member of the Hunkpapa Lakota from Standing Rock Sioux Reservation in what is presently known as North Dakota. And Matt lives in Seattle, Washington, like me, on Coast Salish territory. I spoke with Matt about his worldviews rooted in Lakota teachings. We just need to be better, or we need to be um, kinder to each other. And as someone who calls Coast Salish territory home, how he integrates the teachings of the Coast Salish peoples in his life reminding us how important it is to dig into the places that we are, to know the people whose land that we're on. Um, well, hello. My my Lakota name is Wakia Waanatan. Uh, my English name's Matt Remley. I'm Honk Papa Lakota from Standing Rock, but uh, live in Seattle. And uh, my parents are Charles Remley and Donna Harrison. Matt has long, light brown hair, with rosy cheeks and a shy smile. He is soft-spoken and friendly. He is a community leader and a dad. We talked about what has kept him grounded over the last couple of years, living through a public health emergency, climate crisis, and political upheaval. What's kept me grounded is um, I'm, I'm very blessed to come from a family that's uh, grounded in our uh, traditions and our, our ceremonies. And one of our uh, teachings with our ceremonies is that it teaches us uh, hardship. And, uh, you know, when you're fasting for going without food or water for four days, four nights out in the hot sun, uh, dancing, it teaches you hardship. And um, one of the reasons we do that is to not only um, appreciate, say, water when you're going four days without water or going four days without food, but to uh, prepare you for hardship. In the midst of going through hardship, you're not doing it alone. You're doing it together. And people are looking out for each other. I feel so blessed with our native community. I, I really love our, whether it's with the tribes or even in the, the, the city, urban native community, 
like we really look out and take care of each other. I can't tell you how many times we'll just go out on, you know, open the door and there's some kind of gift laying there of medicine, some sage, sweet grass, cedar, or, you know, we're really fortunate that we uh, look out for each other that way. So that that's definitely kept me, kept me grounded. When in community, we also find that we are responsible for more than just ourselves. Matt and I talked about what it means for Indigenous peoples to move in the world in a way that honors our traditional ways. Who we are as Indigenous people is how we show up to do the work, to keep our communities and cultures intact. I have always said that I don't consider myself an activist at all or an organizer that um, we have in our Lakota ways, Lakota teachings, which I have come to understand is pretty uh, similar to not only other tribes or First Nations, but Indigenous peoples globally. I hear very similar type of thinking, which is that uh, we have roles and responsibilities, very specific instruction of things that we have been told to do since uh, time immemorial. And these uh, teachings, these responsibilities, you know, they're ingrained into our, um, our language and into our ceremonies. So for example, as Lakota, you know, we're told that uh, one of our instructions is that uh, we have uh, seven ceremonies we're to conduct in between the uh, spring equinox and summer solstice. Certain ceremonies, renewal ceremonies that we do during this time. And those ceremonies are our contribution or contributing to uh, life. You know, so we know that through our origin stories that everything, all, all the creation has a role of responsibility. You know, the trees right now and, and the plants are filtering that carbon and releasing oxygen, which not only helps them, but it helps all of us to, to mm -hmm. live. You know, right now the worms are going through the soil and they, they uh, uh, bring life to that soil for things to grow on it. You know, we'd say that is one of its responsibilities. You know, the bees, uh, the pollinators, you know, you can literally go through all of creation and see how what they do in their everyday action uh, contributes to, to life. And we understand through our teachings that all of us, every single one of us on this planet um, are connected to all of creation. You know, we're a part of that, you know, we're no different than the trees and birds and other animals. We're all of the same thing. So if they have a role and responsibility, you know, we do too. You know, it's just as the youngest of all the creation, humans, we're the only ones who have strayed from our roles and responsibilities, which then if we look at the chaos around us, it's not too hard to kind of draw that line between yeah. the two. Most peoples have stopped engaging because of colonialism, genocide, slavery, assimilation, indoctrination, you know, have strayed from them responsibilities. So now you have a very, very, very few small groups of peoples globally who continue to fulfill these uh, responsibilities. Look, 
I get it. With so much going on in the world today, it would be hard for me to choose what my roles and responsibilities are. I know that I'm a child to my parents, a sibling to my sisters, an auntie, it goes on. But outside of those roles, I am also a deeply passionate person when it comes to fighting for a more just world. I advocate, lead, and support for change where I can. And sometimes I just don't know where to begin. Matt is from Standing Rock. It's the same place where there were massive protests in 2016 and throughout early 2017. The protests aimed to stop an oil pipeline from being built through sacred lands of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. It was highly political, and the phrase, Mini Wachoni, water is life, was a phrase used to describe why people were protesting against the oil pipeline. Thousands of people showed up to the reservation to support the Lakota people. Matt was there. I was there too. And even though I didn't have words for it then, I felt as if it was my responsibility to support their community, to protect their ancestral lands from destruction. When we're out there protecting, say, against some of these fossil fuel infrastructure, some of these pipelines, there tends to be a direct link to those people's particular roles and responsibilities that they were, were placed there to be protectors of, you know, for us, the Black Hills and other mm-hmm. areas, you know, uh, we, we have to protect that. We know water is the very first medicine that was given to all of creation. So we have a responsibility to uh, take care of it. So when I see I'm living out here amongst the Coast Salish peoples, and how they go about protecting the salmon and learning from them, their teachings and stories and connections to salmon. They're not out there protesting, you know, the, just the protest, you know, they're, they have a responsibility to the salmon peoples. So it's in understanding our, you know, when, it, when I, when I give you my name at the very beginning, uh, my Lakota name, that's a family name that was passed down, a number of years ago, when we do our namings, uh, we, by the way, that translates to he charges with thunder. He was a, a great, great grandfather from the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't just like a name tag, like Matt. This is a name that comes with some specific responsibilities. And every day I try to live up to those responsibilities. You know, we have our, our, responsibilities as a greater Lakota Oyate or Cheti Shakomi, you know, responsibilities. But then we also have, you know, responsibilities within our own families, our own extended families, and, and so on. And these are the type of things we need to fulfill. They might look like to some people, activism or organizing, but it's really not, you know, it's maintaining It's that, a way of being. Yes. Period. It's a way of being. Absolutely. This responsibility of being connected to his way, to his people, it has powerful consequences. It includes how to protect 
And it's a North Star for how Matt lives his life. In Lakota culture, you know, it's the it's it's matriarchal and it's mostly the uh, grandmothers are the ultimate decision makers. It's the grandmothers who are telling the men to do um, uh, certain actions. That in itself is tied back to roles and responsibilities Mm -hmm. as protectors and providers. We have to do what our grandmothers tell us to do. You know, my auntie LaDonna called me when all that was happening. She just said, nephew, I know you're in Seattle. We're hearing rumors of this pipeline. You're going to help out. Standing Rock is the most recent example of how he stepped into his role and responsibility as a part of his survival. Matt's aunt, LaDonna Braypool Allard, was a person who called supporters to Standing Rock. She invited people to her front yard to protest, and she was one of many who started this historic campaign to stop the pipeline. LaDonna was instructing Matt to do some writing, and he's really good at it too. So when stories about the protests and the pipeline were not getting the coverage they deserved, Matt made it his responsibility to make it world news. This effort would be another part of the protest strategy. He took to the website lastrealindians.com, where you can learn more about what's happening in Indian country. And it's where I was able to follow what was going on at Standing Rock as it was happening. For people who know Matt, they know him as someone who has a profound respect for language. And he knows his ancestral language, Lakota. He even sings in Lakota. Language to me is one of the most beautiful things to to really um, engage in and that our ancestors held a certain worldview and perspective that was deeply connected and tied to um, kind of a greater cosmos and how we're supposed to be living. And I just love learning the kind of deeper root meanings of uh, just some words, you know, some small words are, have very deep, you know, mini Wichoni, which became, uh, you know, globally, mm-hmm. you know, um, recognized Lakota saying, uh, but it doesn't mean, it actually doesn't mean water. Mini doesn't mean water. Uh, M-N-I, which is the word we use to reference the substance of water. But if we break that word down, the N-I, what that means is uh, life giving. And when you put the M in front of it, that's a reference for like yourself, 
like when you're you're referring to to yourself so mini when you put that together is this this is giving me life is mm. what it literally translates to and we choni is a word that we use to reference uh all living all of creation so we put them two together to uh give acknowledgement that all life needs this substance to live mm. We don't have words that translate to like uh, man, woman, stuff like that. There are words that reference. Um, we have uh, stages of life, you know, kind of four stages of life from our infancy to to elder, and these are things that don't come with age. It is coming to a place okay. where there's totally uh, a fulfillment and understanding of our Lakota values, our Lakota culture of that knowledge and then bring that wisdom to uh, those teachings to the, the rest of the community, to the rest of uh, the people, you know? So to me, that's uh, all kind of what I'm trying to get at with these responsibilities and how we try to live our day-to-day life. Matt lives out his Lakota values every day. And here on Coast Salish territory, he integrates his learnings from the Coast Salish peoples. You know, one of the teachings I've learned from the Coast Salish tribes, they always talk about lifting each other up, you know, when they're doing their, I'm sure you've seen this at uh, many Mm -hmm. uh, coastal gatherings, you know, I raise my hands to you, but I'm holding you up. And I like that teaching, you know, it's a good teaching, you got to do more uh, holding each other up and supporting one another. This story about holding each other up and supporting each other reminded me of the Coast Salish story, Lifting the Sky where you learn the lesson about how it takes all of us to do the work, to take on our responsibilities. As it goes, a long time ago, the creator has left the sky too low. We are going to have to do something about it, and we don't understand one another. How can we do that? Tall people hit their head on the low sky, and the Coast Salish tribal communities wanted to do something about it. But they all spoke different languages. Here is ancestor Vi Hilbert of the Upper Skagit sharing the story. We can do it. We can do it. We can all learn one word. That's all we need is one word. That word is Yahau. 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 Try it. Yahau. Try it. Yahau. Yahau. Everybody try it. Yahau. That means to proceed, to go forward. Do it. One word. That's all you need. 
everybody knew that one word. Now, the wise leaders said, in order to do this job, we will need to lift the sky and we'll need to lift it together. How can we do that? We're not tall enough to push it up. So they went out to the forest and cut down the tallest trees and made poles. These poles would help them push up the sky. So with their poles together, they said, Yeah! Oh, all right. It went up just a little tiny way. Just a little bit. All right, we need to try harder. Everybody needs to push. Everybody needs to push. Poles against the sky. Yeah! Well, didn't do the job. Somebody out there was not really working, Vern. Weren't you pushing very hard? Aren't you working? Everybody has to work. How many times have we pushed? Twice. The magic number is how many? Four. Four. The magic number is four. We have to do this four times? It would be amazing if we could do it three times. But we're going to try for the third time. Pose against the sky with all of your might. Yeah. Well, that was a little better. That was a little better. But that's a lot of sky up there. And it's going to take a lot of effort, not only muscle power, it's going to take the strength that's here in your heart, the strength that's here in your mind, to do a big job. And that's what it's going to take, because everybody has it within themselves to do all of those things that require strength from all of your body. So pose, please, against the sky. Yeah. And... You did it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> I like that teaching. You know, it's a good teaching. You've got to do more uh, holding each other up and supporting one another. So, you know, just I, I like to just message people sometimes out of the blue. Just give them a compliment. Try to, mm -hmm. I don't know, lift their spirits or something. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Just, I'll, I'll close with that. Yeah, how? We all need to do it. Yahow, we need everyone to be doing their part. Yahow, we all must move forward together with our roles and responsibilities. This interview was recorded in January 2021. Thanks to Matt Remley and to George Farrell, Red Rock Perkins, Dakota Case, Bradley Smith, for recording the traditional Lakota song you heard in this episode. And many thanks to Vi Hilbert of the Upper Skagit, who retold the story of Lifting the Sky in 1993. And thanks to Chief William Shelton, the last hereditary chief of the Snohomish, located in the Tulalip Reservation, who published this story in 1923. And thank you to Jill LaPointe, Vi's granddaughter and director of Lachute Seed Research, 
for extending permission for us to use the audio excerpts of Lifting the Sky, which you heard today. Nia Taro is a Seattle-based foundation. We're both Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples with a mission to secure Indigenous guardianship for all vital ecosystems. That means we provide support to Indigenous peoples globally who are protecting their homelands from colonization and destruction. Their practices are one of our best guides for making Earth livable for generations to come. Here at Seedcast, our guests represent themselves. They don't necessarily reflect the views of Nia Taro. We honor their honest perspectives and lived experiences. You can learn more about Seedcast and about our work at Nia Taro on our website, niataro.org. This episode was produced by me, Jessica Ramirez, with story editing support from Jenny Asarno and mixed by Felipe Contreras. Our executive producer is Tracy Rector. Our senior producer is Jenny Asarno. Our producer is Felipe Contreras. Our consulting producer is Julie Keck. Our fact checker is Roman Lee Johnson. Our social media is by Nancy Kelsey. Our transcripts are by Sharon Arnold. Our theme song is by Mia Kami. I'm your host, Jessica Ramirez, and we look forward to sharing more stories with you all very soon. Like the wind, we still move. Like the waves, we rise high. Like the sun, we never die. No staying quiet. We stand united. We Stop.